Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Sitting up there, jacked Pepsi. I'm there for the pack out. You just got to pack me in. Committed to the bow early on. Like, I love getting close and putting up. You cover a range of stuff on here, too, right? Like, we call this the uh, the THP World Headquarters. You know, my grandpa Roy Weatherby. I came into like that golden little pocket where there was like four or five different bowls. Just you're Canadian. We're doing yeah, a I... Canadian podcast. My name's Douglas Stokes. I'm Robbie Denning. Roy Campbell. Average Canadian that works as a, in another job besides the hunting industry, and he's got a wife, he's got kids, he's got 10 days to hunt, right? Let's say he's got 10 days to elk hunt. I feel sorry for you if you only have 10 days, but I know you, a lot of you do. Um, I'm just kidding. It's I, I That's how I used to be as well. So you got 10 days to hunt, okay? Lampers hunts 100 for every year that he hunts guys, he's got 10 years of experience on you mm-hmm. every year. Oh, yeah. So in 10 years, he has a hundred years of experience it, compared to a person averages guys. It cannot be ignored. No. It is so overwhelmingly in his favor that you can't ignore that. So then you're like, well, what, what does that mean? Mark, what, what, You just ruined my whole season when you said that. No, what I'm saying is these are the tools. This is the education. This is the kind of stuff that you got to seek out and find. If you're listening to this podcast right now, you're already taking the first step. Mm -hmm. You are taking initiative to cut that learning curve down. You're never going to catch up with Lampers. I'm sorry. Unless you've got that many days to spend chasing wild animals, you're not going to catch up in experience, but what you can do is you can cut the distance down and you can cut it down a little with increasing your knowledge and expanding your skills and getting better, um, getting yourself more capable um, for those 10 days. So when you roll out on day one, you are ready to go from beginning to end. You never miss a morning. You never miss an evening. You never late to a glassing spot. You never leave early and you never give up early. Those factors are going to change the game for you. Yeah. 100%. I hope that makes sense. I, I, I like using that example because I think that grounds it for people, right? When they start thinking about, they're like, holy crap, 
Well, it, well, goes no, back to the... it does. And you're narrowing the gap, right? For sure. Cause like you said, you never like, I hunt a lot of the days too. And like, you can't compare what one person's doing to the other. You have to make your situation and make it the best you can That's with right. the tools that you have. And this is a great tool to use to make your situation even better. And you know, exactly some of right. us have, have the benefit of, I can drive 10 minutes down the road mm-hmm. and I can be into elk. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of people can do that percentage wise compared to everybody yeah. else. Mm-hmm. doesn't mean it's great elk hunting, but I can tell you 10 minutes from my house, I can get into elk, Yeah, which is a bonus for, you know, you work all day and you're like, okay, hey, I got two hours. I got three hours. I can go out and I can do it. See, I can't even do that. I live in Montana and I can't even do that. I I'm in the Eastern side of my, now we got elk in our backyard. I mean, I got elk, but there's not very many. Yeah. It's ter- it's not very good elk hunting where I live, so I have to drive three or four. I, I here I am crying. You're right. I'm three or four hours to hunt elk. Right. With and, that story um, you were telling us earlier about all these elk, yeah, we don't feel too sorry. For yeah. yeah, yeah, whatever. You know, I got you. Hold on um, a second. I paid, just wiping hey, my I, tears. I, I paid my dues, boys, back in the day. Oh, yeah. I paid my dues. Absolutely. Um. So, 100%. but what I'm saying is, you know, you got guys like. You just said you could drive. You got guys that got to drive across the whole country. You got mm-hmm. guys from Canada that want to got to come to another another country to hunt elk. And you got to make the most of it, right? And I hope yeah. that this course kind of helps you lay out a strategy to help you do that. One hundred percent. All right, buddy. Let's move. Uh, let's move along here. Let's bump a couple down. Let's go down to like uh, some of these last ones here, and then we'll wrap her all up. Okay, so let's let's skip the technology tools because I kind of we talked about a little bit how to set up the optimal thing, mm-hmm. uh, optimal e scouting as far as tech, you know, uh, equipment wise, dual monitors, blah blah blah, custom markups and all that kind of stuff. We've been talking about that. So these are the modules that I'm getting ready to redo, guys. As you notice that when you look at this, I've got the mastering Google Earth Pro, the Gaia GPS, the Onyx. I don't have a Go Hunt one in there yet. Because remember, this is three years old. Go on didn't even exist when I built this. And Onyx, to be totally honest, does a lot more now than it did when I built this course. So that's one of the problems with evaluating technology is the minute you evaluate it, it's out of date, like we mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. So just keep that in mind. There's a lot of great stuff in there, but there are new things that it has um, that are not covered that need to be updated. And I will. But really the meat of the course, if you want to talk about that, and this is where people really get, um, these are the most watched modules, no doubt, is the elk finding concepts. And, and there's not, well, I I think of it as 12 features that I look for. <laughs> and in the course, I've combined some. So that's why there's less than 12. But when I talk about it as a broad spectrum, I'm really talking about 12 things that I look for when it comes to breaking down an area um, that holds elk. So I go through each one of those modules in tremendous detail here, guys, on this in this area, because this is where I feel like a lot of education stuff falls short. People say all the time, I, I'm not going to say who it is. But I watched a YouTube video one time on elk and fires, and it was two minutes and 30 seconds. To be more precise, it was two minutes and 38 seconds. And I'm thinking to myself, what a waste of time it would be to watch a two-minute video on why 
ferns are attractive to elk. I'm not interested in that, guys. I'm not interested in surface level. I want to know why, when, how, what ages, what are what kind of burns? Are they early season? Are they late season? Is are they high moisture content, low moisture content? What's the train? What's the runoff? What's the, how old is a burn before elk stop using it? How early do they start using it? What parts of the country are burns more attractive than other parts of the country? Those questions are never answered in two minutes. So, for example, that module alone, if you click on that module and you click on part one, the video, I don't know, the video itself is 59 minutes. That's the theory. And then when you look at the examples of fire zones, the example video is 55 minutes. So two hours, we spend two hours, and guys, I do like to talk if you haven't figured that out, but I try not to repeat myself. So it's two hours of breaking down fires and why fires are so freaking good for elk. And what? how do you break them down? What do you look for? The edges, the non-edges, how far into the edge, how far in or out of the edge, what types of foods grow in these fires, what are they keying in on, Low, uh, high moisture zones, how to identify high moisture zones in the fire zone, how to age a fire, how to look, if, was it a nuclear burn fire that burned everything to the roots, or was it a surface level burn, when's the grass going to come back, when's it not going to come back, the steepness, is it too steep and the runoff is too much where the grass is not going to grow quick? Or is it less, more gentle elevation where the grass is going to grow quicker because the moisture levels are going to be higher? Um, all these factors, guys, I know that sounded like a lot all at once there. It's all there, and it was. it's all fires. The reason I went right to that one, it's one of my favorite, probably not my favorite, but top three favorite places to hunt out. My number that, that's one huge, place, though. Sorry to cut you off, Martin. That's huge because, oh, yeah, like, places I've been in places like here in where I am that it's almost desert. A lot of these places, some of them, some of these fires have burnt so deep and so rooted that nothing grows back, and you'll not see a living life form in there for years. So, understanding yeah, the man. difference between a deep fire and, like you said, a surface fire mm-hmm. is makes a huge difference because, like, obviously, if there's nothing in there. There's not going to be any elk in there. There's not going to be anything in there, right? Some of these fires burn so hot, man. They just like they burn everything to ash, like to the back to the rock. Well, so for example, I'm glad you said that. Let's just talk about that for example. So I don't know about this area you're saying, but in if if the terrain guys is really steep, right? What happens to the water? It runs off. So it takes longer for that fire to regenerate when a fire is in steep country. But when the fire is in moderately rolling, let's just for lack of a better word, more rolling in nature, there's a very good chance that if the rains are good, that spring, which you can look at, you can look at the data on the soil moisture and you're like, okay, we got great soil. The train's not very steep. There's a good, Hey, there could be elk here first year because these are all things you can employ when you start looking at fires. There's a lot more to look at than just, oh, there was a fire. Oh, there was a fire two years ago. I'm going to go hunt elk there. That That's not how I approach it. Mm-hmm. And here's the other thing. 
when I look at these 12 features, okay, I don't look for fires. Fires are one of the 12, right? I like fires. I think fire zones are good if they're the right age and the right, all the things we've been talking about. So it's, it's a good one, but it's only one. Slope orientation is another one. I like north slopes. So when I can find an area that's got a north for archery, that's got a north slope and it's in a fire, okay, I got two of the 12. I love that. And then I find a north slope that's in a fire zone that's got some benches that are three quarters of the way up on the slopes. Whoa, that's that's a bench feature, which I love. That's three of the 12. And then when I find that drainage I find out there's no trail in the bottom of that drain. There's no established trail on the map. You know what I'm saying? In that drainage that's in the fire, that's got the benches, that's got the north slope. So now we've got four of my features. You guys get what I'm saying here. What I like to find when I'm breaking elk areas down is places that have four, five, six, even seven of the features. And when you find those places... I'm almost guaranteeing you. Now, I shouldn't say guarantee. There is a very high likelihood that you're going to run into elk in that general area somewhere. If it's got seven of the 12, you're in the money. I've never found a place that has 12 um, because there's too many other things that don't go together. For example, one of my favorite places to hunt elk is beetle kills. But they are very complicated. And one of the reasons I like them is because most hunters don't know how to deal with them. Because what's the worst kind of beetle kill there is? A 10-year-old beetle kill. 12-year-old beetle kill, right? Because all the timbers, where is it at? On the freaking ground. Yeah, low downs. (laughs) And it's terrible, right? Yeah. The elk don't even like it when it gets that bad, right? But they love it in the early stages. They love it the first three, four, five years. Why? Because all the pine needles have come off the pine trees, and the sunlight is penetrating like never before. So the grass that grows in a beetle kill is so incredible sometimes that it's it's waist deep. Mm -hmm. And what happens is the elk get into these beetle kills that are early stages, and they've got security too because they still got trees standing. So they've got a little bit of shade. They've got protected visibility they've got thermal sun protection and they've got an unbelievable amount of feed and if you get the right terrain right and let's say it's the right steepness then you're able to glass into these beetle kills because you know there's no pine the 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 view is better so when you get the right beetle kill and you've aged it right and you know how old it is before you march in there um you are you your money in the bank for a spot like that. Well, how do you do that? It's not easy. And there's only one tool. I know I sound like a broken record, but there's only one tool you can use to determine the age of a beetle kill. And that's Google earth pro, because what do you have to have? You have to have the dates of those images to be able to look at when the beetle kill starts and then, and then do the math page back through time. Well, how do you know when it starts? Well, I go over that in this. I show you every stage of all the beetle kills and how to pick them up with aerial photo. The purple color, the brown color. Purple's like, everybody's like, what, what's that? I'm like, guys, when, when the beetle kills trees are dead and they've got still got the little branches, but they don't have the pine needles, when the aerial photos give them a bluish hint, 
it's very unique from a fire. Fire doesn't have it. So there's ways to look at it um, to um, to do it. But most people shy away from beetle killer because they're like, I'm not going in there, you know, or even worse, guys. What's the worst thing happens? You drive to Trailhead A. You've been looking at your map. You're like, oh, this looks so good. But you're looking at a 2000 image. Uh, yeah. Let's say you're in, you yeah. only used uh, Onyx. I'm going to pick on Onyx. I, I, guys, this isn't a real example. I'm just making this up. You only use Onyx. You're looking at this spot. You're like, oh, man, Kevin's like, oh, this spot looks like money. It's got nine of the 12 features. There's no place like it. You drive up to your trailhead. You've done all your zones of pressure. Everything is money, right? You pull up the trail and it's dark. You get out because this happened to me. Set up your tent in the parking lot or in the trailhead. You wake up next morning. And it's like, what the hell? There's trees on top of trees. It looks like you just stacked up matchsticks. Well, that's not what the aerial photo looks like mm-hmm. because the aerial photo is 20 years old. But if you'd have done your work, if you went to Google Earth and you would looked at all the all the historical imagery, you would have known what you're getting into. Mm-hmm. And if you'd looked at the colors of the trees and how they were changing and from all these things, right? So I know that's a little bit in the weeds, but Beetle Kill is 50, 70 minutes of breaking down Beetle Kills, just Beetle Kills. And so anyway, we systematically work through these from access points and established trails, which we kind of already talked about, meadows and feeding zones, which how to break them down, how to analyze them. What's a good meadow? What's a bad meadow? What's a sparse? What's a uh, transitional meadow? Um, canyons, creeks, and drainages. Very important module. What drainages are best? What drainages do they like? Why do they like them? What are they? What to look for? Slope orientation. All of that's in there. The zones, uh, the logging areas for fires and logging areas. I, I bulk together because uh, they're very similar. They're kind of landscape clearing events kind of situations. And then beetle kills are way different beasts than fires, even though a lot of fires are because of beetles, but they have to be treated completely different. Benches and slopes, we talked about that already. Benches are one of my prime features I look for in an area. Elk love bench features, but they don't like all of them. Guys, benches that are below 50%, benches that are not on a north, northeast, northwesting slope, are just not as attractive to elk in my mind during archery season as those other ones, right? We go through all of that. Saddles and travel corridors and all the things that go into funnels and connecting tree lines and all that stuff and ridge connections, all that stuff's in that particular module. Glassing identification, got a whole module on glassing. So we're looking at that and it is hour, almost an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. over um, finding and locating and isolating the best um, glassing locations. It's a really big part of a lot of elk hunting. Now, a lot of, some guys that hunt thicker country, glassing isn't really an option, so whatever, right? But this might apply to your mule deer hunting, applies to all, you yeah. know, whatever. It's really, it's it's not just elk for this particular module. So if you notice, guys, as Kevin's expanding these, the way I set it up, is the first part one is the theory and the principles. It's like my thoughts, my strategies, 
all the concepts surrounding, let's just say burns, all are, well, glassing, we're in, what are you, oh, you're in the late season one. Um, So theory of principles is part one. And then I take everything we've talked about. And then in part two, I pull it up on the screen and we start breaking down an area and looking for the, and doing some example. Usually I do three, four, five examples of benches and all the different kinds of benches and what benches are better than other benches and why I prefer these benches stair. Like I like longitudinal benches and I like staircase benches are my two favorite kinds of benches. Well, what does that mean? What do they look like? How to identify them? Um, do they hold moisture? Do they not hold moisture? How to tell that? <clears throat> so those are all, we talk about it and then we go through some examples. Does that make sense? Yep. And then we got late season elk strategies. Um, again, that's more for rifle. It, it applies to archery too. If you're doing late season, we get in snow analysis. We get into the rut, the different phases, what they're starting to do as a late season approaches. Um, and then I have some exp, you know, some some of the more technical stuff, exporting and importing and managing all your data. Because like I said, I like to use multiple applications. And if you're going to use multiple applications, you got to start getting a grasp on how to handle all, all your data, how to back it up, um, those kinds of things. Um, and then an important one that's becoming important is this webinars and resources module. If you open that one up, like yeah. for example, tonight. I'm going to do this webinar tonight. And by the time you listen to this podcast, it's probably going to be in here. So I'm doing an, a, a webinar tonight on advanced Google Earth Pro optimization. And I'm going to record this webinar tonight. It's going to be a two-hour webinar. It's going to be killer. And it's I'm going to edit it and record it just m- much like we're doing here with this pod. And I'm going to insert that into this section. So this is where I'm just continually adding and building on to the course so you can look at the different ones like for example i did one on yeah wyoming so i was getting a lot of questions on how to look at the wyoming elk harvest reports so i decided to do a quick little um thing on it how to get it where to get it how to access it for wyoming so there it is and um i did a webinar on last minute e-scouting tactics it was a 82 minute webinar it's in there so if you don't make all my webinars that I do are free, but they're only available after I do them in the course. Gotcha. Like, so they're free. The one's free tonight. They're all free, but the, the recorded version that lives forever is, um, is put in here and I'm going to continually add to that. So awesome. anyway, I hope that makes sense. Um, we kind of skipped over some of the stuff, but nobody, um, uh, it took me two good. years. It took about two years for me to write this out. So COVID, as bad as COVID was, it was kind of a blessing for me because I I don't know if you guys know what I do for a, a job. I do have a job, guys. I know it's hard to believe, but um, we do event production. We produce marathons, triathlons, air shows, what, whatever, mm-hmm. all over the country, right? Mostly in the Midwest where I'm from, in Missouri. So COVID, what do you think that did to the event business, right? Killed it. It was yeah. over. Like it went from 200 events a year to zero in one day. So when that happened, I was like, I had this time and I'm like, I've been wanting to do this forever. Right. And I'm like, I had a lot of stuff already written. And so I like, I dove in and did it. 
So I spent the, about a year and a half. Um, and this is, you know, it needs, I need to go back and add to it and I need to tweak a few things, but the information is pretty solid in there. I think it still is pretty dang relevant for, for most of you guys have taken some of it. Well, some people have taken more than others. We're not going to, we're not going to name names here, but um, look at, Hey man, I'm up to 8% right now. <laughs> just from rolling through. <laughs> oh man. Okay. Well, I'm, I hope that wasn't too long, but no, um, dude, that was that was good. And uh, awesome. for the listeners, you can just go to the website. Mark's got a link up there, and we have promo codes which are in the links to the show or in the show notes. Sorry, so just use those. And uh, Mark, thanks again, man. This is awesome, and this is thanks, what I Mark. wanted to do because I want guys to get into this stuff and get them in the course now, not in August. Because I know, you know, we start talking about elk in August, we start talking about elk in July, and everyone starts getting excited. But if you want to be successful, you really successful, you have to start thinking about it now. Well, here's the thing. You know, you you always heard this now. How do you guys eat? How do you eat an elephant, right? One bite at a time. And when it comes to hunt, you guys, we spent, what, two hours just going through the agenda. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So if you try to sit down and watch this end to end to end to end without, like Derek said earlier, without like using a second screen and, and practicing a little bit and looking around for some benches. If you just watch it end to end, you're never going to, I don't feel like you're going to get the most out of it. I feel like the best way to do this course is a little bit at a time as you're working on your plans Mm -hmm. and just doing it. Yeah. Instead of watching the whole dang thing and trying to absorb 30 some hours of information and then going, okay, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to start my hunt plan now. I do think it is a good idea to do them in little sections. And um, like, for example, hunt parameters, you know, you figure out, help use that module, help you figure out what your limitations are and start setting up some examples. Like just go to trailhead. A. it doesn't matter which one and say, okay, I need to file my, oh, that's easy. That's, it, 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 in 30 seconds, you, you've ingrained it in your, in your mind, you know exactly how to do it. You know why you're doing it. And now you're ready to roll with that little feature. Mm-hmm. And you can do that with each one and, and work your way down. Um, and, you know, I know I give people a lot of trouble for skipping around. But there's nothing wrong with that. Um, now, there is something wrong with 4% complete when you've had the course for Eight, three years. Uh, <laughs> it's pretty it's pretty embarrassing, I think, for Kevin at this moment. So I, that's not a very good testimony. I, I can guarantee to my, Derek's um, is, is not at eight percent. I know that much. <laughs> well, I could look Derek's up right now if I wanted to, but um, now I do not go in, guys. I've got way more to do than to go in and start analyzing individual accounts and see what they're doing. Then little frowny face emojis, <laughs> Just and call, stuff. yeah, calling them out on Instagram. Yeah, maybe I should okay, start, do your homework. You know maybe I should start <laughs> yeah. doing some screenshots of look here. I just yeah. looked up Kevin and he's at 4% completion. Start, start, start course shaming everyone. Yeah. Getting course shamed. Uh, that's oh, funny. Man. K Mark, that's awesome, buddy. Hey. We're going to wrap this up and uh, it's bear season soon. And like we are talking, we want to get you back on and talk bears here. So, um, for well, and, and, you know, I, I, there's so much of this guys. A lot of people say, well, you know, I'm not an elk hunter. I'm a mule deer hunter and, and, or whatever. Of course, a lot of this stuff doesn't apply guys. Right. But there's so much stuff that does. The root planning, the glassing, the parameters, the 
developing the actual strategic hunt play. So you, you know, you're going to get the most out of it, obviously, if you're an elk hunter, but don't discount the fact that it, there's a lot of things in here that apply to all big game. Right. Yeah. And I am working on a bear course and it's going to be, it's like, a it's a beast. Um, it's been two years in the product making as well. And part of that problem was I, I got Lambers as a partner and he never stops hunting. Like I mentioned, he, the boy won't do any work. And, um, so, you know, once I get him actually doing something, we might actually get it done. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> okay, guys, we're going to wrap this up. Uh, Pete and Derek, we'll, uh, See you guys later. Okay, thanks again, Mark. Thanks, Thanks, Mark. Thank you. A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6-8 Western. Oh, I'll be over there, baby, right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. Oh, that's awesome. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience. Brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts. Every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment.